Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. I'm going to read Genesis chapter 9 and verses 18 through to the close of the chapter for our, our teaching session tonight. And the sons of Noah that went forth of the ark were Shem and Ham and Japheth, and Ham is the father of Canaan. These are the three sons of Noah, and of them was the whole earth overspread. And Noah began to be an husbandman, and he planted a vineyard, and he drank of the wine and was drunken, and he was uncovered in it within his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. And Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid, laid it upon both their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father, and their faces were backward, and they saw not their father's nakedness. And Noah awoke from his wine, and knew what his youngest son had done unto him. And he said, Cursed be Cain, and a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. And Noah lived after the flood 350 years, and all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. And the Lord blessed the word to his heart. Now, I'm sure that as uh, I take for granted that you've read the book of Genesis, how many have never read the book of Genesis? <laughs> well, that's good. I'm sure that then as we've read the uh, book of Genesis, in particular this area, and uh, we look at the prophecy of Noah concerning his three sons, I'm sure that many of, many of us have had questions. Why was this dreadful curse put upon Canaan and so forth? And uh, what is the significance of this? Well, we want to look at some of these things tonight. All right, let's just take a, a moment of introductory, uh, introduction here and bringing together some things that we covered in our previous series as we sort of move on on, on the beginning here tonight. Reminding uh, those of us who have been here and just uh, introducing this to those who are new to the class here. We've uh, referred to the period of time from Adam through to Abraham as the, what we might say, the dispensation of the Father. We'll just uh, restate that again. The dispensation of the Father and we cover approximately 2,000 years. And in this dispensation of the Father, we have three main fathers, the one that we're going to be looking at tonight, and the first one we looked at was Adam, who is the father of the whole human race. And under Adam, as we've seen in our previous study, we have uh, Adam as a covenant man. Uh, we have the Adamic covenant made, the Adenic covenant before sin, the Adamic covenant after sin. So... He's the covenant father, the father of, all, uh, father of the whole of mankind, the father of the whole human race. All were in Adam. And then we come to the father that we're looking at tonight, uh, Noah, the next major father that God picks out, and he becomes the next covenant man. So we have the Noahic covenant here, and uh, Noah becomes the father. He was a new beginning, and here's another new beginning that we're looking at tonight. And we have another covenant man. In fact, let's turn over to a very interesting verse in Leviticus chapter 27 in relation to this thought. Leviticus chapter 27. And I'm going to read verse 32. Leviticus chapter 27 and verse 32. Very interesting verse, uh, one that must not be pressed too far, but there definitely seems to be a truth here. Uh, Leviticus 27, verse 32, And the Lord's giving commandment concerning the tithe. And in verse 32 he says, And concerning the tithe of the herd or of the flock, even of whatsoever passeth under the rod, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. So you picture the scene that we have here, that as the uh, one who uh, is the owner of the flock or the herd, as he counts them, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten is picked out as holy to the Lord, the tithe or the tenth. Uh, Eleven, twelve, thirteen, right through to twenty. Twenty is picked out. So every tenth 
or every tithe of the herd or of the flock as they passed under the shepherd's rod uh, marked out as being holy to the Lord, set aside uh, holy to the Lord. And a very significant thing, as I said, without pressing it too far, we see the first uh, three major fathers, the next one that we'll be looking at in, uh, in a few sessions' time is Abraham, and he also is a covenant man. So this is the picture that we have. We have uh, Adam, the first man, and then we come to the one that we're looking at tonight, uh, Noah, who is the tenth man from Adam, and then we come to Abraham, who is the tenth from Noah, but the twentieth from Adam. So it's like that God picked out in the godly line, Adam, you're a covenant man, goes right through, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, Noah, you're holy to the Lord, sets inside as a covenant man, 11, 12, 13, 15, right through to 20, Abraham, he's a tithe. So God picks out these tithing men, the tenth men, and marks them out as holy to the Lord, and they become covenant men, covenant fathers. And so we refer to this period of time, as I said, approximately 2,000 years covered in this time, uh, Adam, Noah, through to Abraham. So we have Adam, uh, a covenant man, the Adamic covenant, Noah, the, a, co- a covenant man, a covenant father, the Noahic covenant, Abraham, a covenant man, the Abrahamic covenant. So the first, the tenth, and the twentieth. Then we see, this is a new beginning, uh, a man that was placed on the earth after the earth was covered with water. And we dealt with the different views on that. Uh, some who believe in the gap theory, I do, others don't. Uh, recognizing there's two different schools of thought, but the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And after dividing the waters and bringing about restoration, uh, a, a new creation is put on the earth, Adam. Now here is another man who experiences preservation through a water judgment. So there's water back there and a new beginning under Adam. There's water judgment here, new beginning. Here we have a water judgment as we're going to see when we get to the Tower of Babel and the dispersion of the nations and the, uh, the continental drift and uh, all the nations being set out in their inheritance. We'll deal with that later. So each of these men experienced something there. So the first, the tenth, and the twentieth, or the tenth from uh, Noah. Now, as I said, we refer to this as the dispensation of the Father because these are three fathers and the Father God who is the maker of the covenant, comes to these fathers. So the Father God, the characteristics of God the Father is manifested in the earthly fathers who are in this dispensation of the Father. Uh, the, uh, God the Father is the covenant maker and keeper and these are covenant men. So this whole dispensation from Adam through to Abraham is characterized by covenant, by fathers. Uh, we have all the fathers here. We looked at Enoch as a type of the church, the seventh from Adam who experiences translation before the uh, flood here. Uh, all godly fathers, so dispensation of the fathers, dispensation of the patriarchs here. Now, uh, one other thing we need to mention is this, that Adam is the father of the whole human race. Noah becomes the father of the three ethnic divisions, which we are going to be looking at here in our session. And uh, Abraham becomes the father of the chosen nation, and also the father of all who believe. So these are the fathers and the dispensation of the father that we, we uh, see set in, this, in these tithing men. All right, now let's go back to Genesis and we're just going to look at these verses here together. And the one that we're looking at, as I said, we've covered from Adam right through to the flood in our first session on uh, first uh, series on gems from Genesis. Now we're going to move from Noah on through to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and uh, Joseph just touching on some of the high spots of this uh, seed book, the book of Genesis. Now let's go to verse 20. And as we look at this situation here, we find that the Bible does not hide the sins of the saints. The Bible does not hide the sins of the saints. Now, in verse 20, we're told that Noah began to be a husbandman and he planted a vineyard and he drank of the wine and was drunken and was uncovered within his tent. Now, there's been different uh, thoughts suggested about this. Uh, I'm not sure whether Mike covered this when he uh, dealt with a lesson I asked him to while I was away. But uh, we may remember in the previous chapter, in chapter, chapter 8, 
uh, or right from Adam through to Noah, the, there had never been rain on the earth. Scripture says that the earth had been watered by a mist. So there'd been no rain. So rain was a new thing. Uh, probably when, Adam, uh, when Noah began to preach and say, well, it's going to rain, it's going to rain, they probably laughed and said, rain? What's rain? What is it? It never rained. The earth had been watered by a mist. And uh, so it was a new thing in, in Noah's time. Well, now it seems in, uh, in chapter 8 and verse 22, we're told, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest and cold and heat, and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. We have the introduction of the seasons here, and uh, as some of the expositors have suggested, that the earth was like a, a hothouse uh, from Adam through to Noah, and now with the flood and the breaking up of the windows of heaven and the fountains of the deep, that there's a whole change in climate, and uh, that Noah, uh, drinking of the vineyard, he did not realize that it had... Uh, the wine had become intoxicating and, and became drunk. All right, be that uh, so or not, it doesn't excuse his sin of drunkenness or nakedness. Two things I want you to pick up here on the sins of Noah. It's very interesting that uh, drunkenness and immorality are always linked. You'll find continually through the scriptures, through the book of Proverbs, the many warnings that warn against drinking and immorality, drunkenness and immorality, and children that have been conceived when the uh, parents or the father has been dead drunk, and what type of kids they often turn out to be. So God doesn't hide the sins of the saints here. All right, so uh, this is the situation. Noah is dead drunk, and in his drunkenness he becomes uncovered. And as I said, perhaps he did not realize that the wine would ferment with the change of climate. But uh, the Bible doesn't hide the failures of the saints. Um, it's a very interesting thing here just to... I, I'm going to just quote some of these and then expect you to take these things down. It's a very interesting comparison between Adam, the father of the whole human race, and Noah, the father of the human race, particularly three ethnic divisions we're looking at, uh, interesting comparison. Both of these were placed on the earth after a judgment by water. Both of these were made lords over creation. Be fruitful, multiply. Be fruitful, multiply. Uh, both were given a covenant. The Adamic covenant, the Noahic covenant. Both were involved in gardening. Adam in the Garden of Eden and Noah in the vineyard. Both sinned over the fruit of a tree. Adam over the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and Noah over the vine, the fruit of the tree here. Both had their nakedness exposed. When Adam partook of the fruit of the tree, they discovered they were naked. When Noah partook of the fruit of the tree, he came come into a state of nakedness. Both of them, both of these fathers had their nakedness covered by another. God covered the nakedness of Adam and Eve and Noah, his two sons, covered his nakedness. Uh, another interesting thing here, both, both of these fathers uh, brought the curse of sin on their posterity. Through Adam's sin, uh, curse came on the whole human race. Through Noah's sin, curses added on Ham and Canaan and all the sons of uh, Canaan here. Uh, another interesting comparison is both of these fathers had three sons that are specifically named. Adam had uh, Cain and Abel and Seth. He had lots of sons and daughters, of course, but those three sons are picked out for divine reason. Noah, he has sons and daughters, but three sons are picked out, Shem, Ham and Japheth. And uh, as I've said, both of these were covenant men and uttered prophecy. Adam prophesied when he woke up and found himself married. That's enough to make anybody prophesy. And uh, Noah, when he woke from his drunken state, he prophesied. So it's a very interesting comparison to go through these two fathers, Adam and Noah. All right, let's move on now here to the three sons and uh, we want to look at what happens here. The three sons that are picked out, I'm going to just put them in the order that we've got here for our session tonight. Ham, 
and Japheth and Shem. I put them in this order because from Shem we're going to come through to Abraham in due time here. All right, now let's see what each of these sons are involved in. First of all, let's go to verse 22, and we have the sin of Ham. The sin of Ham in verse 22, and then we're going to look at the curse on Ham in verse 25. So verse 22 and verse 25, the sin of Ham and the curse that's placed on uh, his son Canaan and the Canaanites. Then in the next verses, uh, we have verse 20. Uh, verse, verse 22, yes. Verse 23, we see what Shem and Japheth together do. We'll pick that up in a moment. So, verse 23, uh, Japheth, or Shem and Japheth, Shem is put in the lead here. So, it's quite evident he took the lead because later on it becomes Shem, Ham, and Japheth in that, uh, in that order. I think that order is in, um, in verse 18. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. It's uh, put in that order for a divine reason. All right, so we've got the sin of Ham in verse 22 and the curse on uh, his son in verse 25. Then we have the righteous act of, of Japheth and Shem in verse 23. Then we go to verse 20, well, 25, I've given you the curse. Verse 26, we have the blessing on Shem. And verse 27, we have the blessing on Japheth. All right, now let's go and look at the sin of Ham Two words I want to put down here, the sin of Ham and the curse. Sin always brings a curse. Sin carries with it its own curse. So let's look at the sin of Ham. Let's look at this a little bit. All right, now, the scripture is very simple about it. In verse 22, And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. Okay, the two sins that are mentioned there, I want you to pick up here and then I'm going to give you some scriptures. Seeing and telling. Seeing and telling. He saw his father's nakedness. Now, there's no excuse on his father's drunkenness and naked state, but seeing it. And then sin number two was telling his father's, or telling his brothers, pardon me, telling his brothers about it. And uh, what do you think uh, he told his two brethren? God doesn't give us all the details, which is divine to say the least. But you can imagine what Ham said when he said to his brothers, Oh, you ought to see your dad, see it, my dad, he's been dead drunk and just come and see him. And it's just left to imagination, everything that was discussed. But I'm going to go through some uh, subsequent scriptures because uh, in God's mind, this sin was so serious that even though Noah, no doubt, was wrong to be drunk and, and become uncovered in his tent, uh, it was so serious in God's mind that the prophetic spirit came upon him and when he awoke out of that state, he uttered a prophecy. How did he know what was done to him, what Ham had done to him? What did Ham do to him? So uh, it was such a serious thing in the, in the mind of God that God caused the prophetic spirit to come upon Noah and he prophesied cursing and blessing that's affected the destiny of the nations today. And I don't want to get into the national thing here. We do it in covenants class. But when you look at the Hamite races today and the Japhetic races today and the Shemite races today and see that the prophecy of Noah is still in operation today. It all began here in this, in this seed book. All right, I want you to go over to a number of scriptures with, with me and, uh, and see the seriousness of Ham's sin. Okay, let's turn over to the book of Exodus. I'd like you to take these scriptures down because as I said, we can just read this on the surface and think, well, what's all the big deal about? You know, I mean, his dad gets drunk and gets uncovered in his tent and that's his fault and Ham talks about and tells his brethren and so big deal, big deal, what's the big deal? And also you'll see as we go to the book of Exodus and look at some of these scriptures, uh, why God brought the blessing on Shem and Japheth. And what, what attitude is shown in their respect? In fact, it's, uh, it's uh, quite an interesting comparison, even this, because now, just before we look at those scriptures in Exodus, when Ham uh, comes and tells Japheth and Shem about uh, their father's condition, there's no response in them to that evil. 
There's control over the eye. That they did not go and look evilly upon their father and show disrespect. There's no joking about it or laughing about it. There's no response in these two boys to what Ham saw, saw and what he told them. There's no response. God saw that. But what did they do? They do something that is very similar to what happened in the tabernacle of Moses because uh, in the tabernacle of Moses, when the Ark of the Covenant, the most holy place, and I use those words very carefully, the most holy place, nobody would see the, the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, the priests were to come in and they were to lift the veil off the tatches and they were to walk forward and cover the Ark of the Covenant. So no human eye saw it. It was most holy. Now these two boys, they take a garment and they don't walk forward, they walk backward holding this garment and cover their father's nakedness because that is most holy. And sex has become the most degraded thing today, but in God's mind it was the most holy. So God saw all this. As I said, it has far implications today in the nations. And you'd be, if, you, if you're interested in these things at all, it's very interesting to study the, the nations and the grouping of the nations today and the Japhetic races and the Hamite races that are getting together against the Shemite races. Conflict, war, all these things, all this prophecy of Noah just coming to its, its uh, fullness. Okay, let's look at some of these scriptures and as you read through these scriptures in the light of the remarks I've said, you'll see what a serious thing it was in the mind of God and, and the, the practical application of all this is, is what's going on today and how people treat their fathers or their mothers. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Was Ham honoring his father in this situation? Absolute dishonor. Seeing his father's nakedness and telling about it. Okay? And uh, when, when Paul takes this up, uh, by the way, he quotes it in Ephesians, he says, Honor thy father and thy mother, uh, that thy days may be long upon the earth. And he said, This is the first commandment with promise. In fact, if you go through the Ten Commandments, um, especially the uh, commandments that are given on human relationship, the first four commandments have to do with our relationship with God. last six commandments have to do with our relationship to uh, one another. Uh, this is the first commandment with promise, with a promise attached. So uh, Paul says, Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. None of the other commandments have a promise attached to it, but this one does. And what is the promise? It's a promise of long life. Now you think of the young people that are being cut off today because of the violation of this commandment. Let's go to Exodus 21. Exodus 21 and verse 15. And he that smiteth his father or his mother shall surely, shall be surely put to death. So the death penalty was attached in some situations that involve smiting the father or the mother, the death penalty. Chapter 21 and verse 17. And he that curseth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. The margin has reviling. Boy, do you think this would bring people up today if this was carried out? Aren't you glad that's just Old Testament stuff? But the thing is, even though it's not carried out physically, people who despise their father and their mother and their parents automatically bring a curse on themselves. Okay? Because God sees it. They get away with it as far as man's concerned. But God has got the record. See, God is the supreme judge. So while judges violate God's law, God... God keeps the record, and that's what was going on here. Uh, let's turn to Leviticus chapter 18. Leviticus 18. 
And just a cursory glance over this chapter, you'll see that the key word is nakedness. And God is very particular about this. And these things are just made fun of today. But in Leviticus 18, verse 7, it says, The nakedness of thy father or the nakedness of thy mother shalt thou not uncover. She is thy mother, thou shalt not uncover her nakedness. So warnings concerning the nakedness of our parents. Oh, God puts it right there to protect it. Chapter 19, verse 3. Ye shall fear every man his mother and his father, and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. You'll notice all those words there. Honor your father and mother, that it may be well with thee, and you'll have long life. If you smite your father and mother, death penalty. If you revile your father and mother, death penalty. Nakedness of your father and mother, you're not to discover. You're to fear your father and mother. Well, is he doing this? No. Seeing and telling. Seeing and telling. He's brethren about that. And, and as I said, God didn't put the conversation there. Probably it wasn't fit for the scripture. But it was enough to provoke the curse of God through Noah on him. Uh, uh, Leviticus 20, verse 9. Uh, Leviticus 20, verse 9. For everyone that curses his father or his mother shall be surely put to death. He hath cursed his father or his mother, his blood shall be upon him. So death penalty, again repeated here for cursing the father or the mother. Let's turn over to Deuteronomy 21, a couple of more here from Deuteronomy. But all these laws I've given you are all protecting the father and the mother and uh, honouring the father and the mother. Deuteronomy 21 These are all very suitable for that uh, first commandment, honour thy father and thy mother that may be well with thee. Deuteronomy 21 and uh, verse 18. If a man have a stubborn and rebellious son which will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and that when they have chastened him will not hearken unto them, then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him and bring him out unto the elders of his city, and unto the gate of his place, and they shall say unto the elders of his city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He's a glutton and a drunkard. And all the men of his city shall stone him with stones that he die. So shalt thou put evil away from among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear. A pretty heavy word, isn't it? So that was the death penalty down a rebellious and stubborn son that wouldn't listen to his father and mother. One other scripture here, Deuteronomy 27, verse 16. Deuteronomy 27, verse 16. Um, King James puts it this way, Cursed be he that setteth light by his father or his mother, and all the people shall say amen. That setteth setting light there is to be light it actually means to dishonor cursed be he that dishonoreth his father or his mother so you see all those things in God's mind even though uh, Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy weren't written uh, when Ham did this his sin of seeing and telling about his father's uh, nakedness to his brethren God saw all that the violation of all those commandments and so it brought that curse on him okay let's go back to to um, Genesis here. I'd like to quote a scripture on, uh, on what, uh, what Shem and Japheth do in verse 23. Here, in contrast, Ham sees his father's nakedness, talks about it to his brothers. Uh, it shows absolute, total disrespect about his father. Uh, he did not honor his father. All those commandments there. But the righteous act of Shem and Japheth as they took that garment and walked backwards and covering and not seeing their father's naked, this showed love and respect. And First uh, Peter 4, verse 8, I won't turn to it, says, Love covers a multitude of sins. And no doubt, even though Noah was wrong, yet Japheth and Shem had enough respect for their father to cover his nakedness, to cover his sins. So there's no response in, in them. And God saw this. All right, now let's go down to the, the uh, curses or the blessings on these three sons. So in, in verse 24, Noah awoke from his wine 
and knew what his younger son had done unto him. And so now he utters a terrible curse. He said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. All right, so from the Hamite races, and I said I don't want to get into the national thing on this, but we have the servant races. The servant nations or the servant races here. And not only servant races, but they were to be a servant of servants. Servant of servants. So we have servant races in the earth today. Then we come to Japheth, and we have the blessing that's put on him in verse 26. He said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem. Now, it's a, this is a sort of a, Hebrew, uh, a Hebraism type of thing. It's a, it's a sort of an implicit thing. Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and blessed be Shem of the Lord God, because what, what is involved in here, subsequent prophecies show, is that the Messiah is going to come from the line of Shem. And Shem, from Shem's line, we have Abraham, and Abraham is given the next specific seed promise, and thy seed shall all nations be blessed, Jesus Christ being the seed of, the seed of Abraham as well as uh, national Israel. So this blessed be the Lord God of Shem. It's the, the continuation of the messianic line, the seed of the woman. It's promised back here, the seed of the woman. Now this seed of the woman is going to become uh, the seed of Shem through the line of Shem. So blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and blessed be Shem of the Lord God. So blessing is pronounced on him. So we come to the blessed races, the Shemite races. And uh, just uh, running ahead here, this is what we see happens. Uh, following this line right through, we, we pick out uh, Abraham. We have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, um, uh, Jacob, uh, J uh, Judah. Uh, we have Moses coming down through here. We have the nation of Israel. And then the last one that we pick out is uh, David. Now, all that's involved here in this line of Shem is these are all the covenant men. So we have the Noahic covenant, all this involving the Noahic covenant. We have the Abrahamic covenant, uh, the covenant given to Isaac, the covenant given to Jacob. I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Uh, all partakers of one covenant, yet three men. Father, Son, Holy, uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three, yet all involved in one covenant, the everlasting covenant. Judah, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. The Messiah was to come of the line of Judah. Moses was the one that was going to bring in the Mosaic covenant, the Palestinian covenant. Israel coming under covenant relationship. And the last messianic prophecy we have of the seed line is given to David. A virgin shall conceive, bring forth a son, the seed of the house of David. So all these become covenant men. So when he says, blessed be the Lord God of Shem, Shem is marked out and his line is to be the covenant line and the blessed races, nation of Israel and the, and the covenant men right through. So we have the Abrahamic covenant, uh, the Mosaic covenant, Palestinian covenant, the Davidic covenant. Then we come right through to Jesus Christ who introduces the new covenant. All this through the line of Shem. So that's what's in uh, uh, sort of uh, seed form in that prophecy. Blessed be the Lord God of Shem. Now, not only was Shem to be blessed of the Lord God and the Lord God was to come through the line of Shem. Canaan was to be his servant. Canaan shall be his servant. So there were certain races that were to be servant nations to the Shemite nations. As I said, I don't want to get into some of this because otherwise you, if you don't know me you think I'm getting too nationalistic that it would explain some things that are going on today if we understood some of these things. So we have the blessed races. Then let's go to verse 27 here. Uh, we have the enlarged races. God shall enlarge Japheth. We have the enlarged races, uh, the Japhetic races, and let, let's put this over here. So we have the servant races of the servant nation, servant of servants, the blessed races. We have the enlarged races here. And uh, without taking this too far tonight, it's interesting to look at certain nations who have been responsible for inventions, arts, music, and so forth. 
certain nations that God has blessed right through to today that are the enlarged races. And notice about verse 27 what else it says about Japheth, the Japhetic races. He shall dwell in the tents of Shem. Now, uh, I'm just trying to say these things carefully here. So, Ham was to be a servant of servants, servant nations, servant races, and they were to serve the Shemite races. Japheth was to be the enlarged races, but Japheth was to dwell in the tents of Shem. Now, why were they to dwell in the tents of Shem? Because the tents, or the tabernacles, the tents of Shem, because from Shem would come the Messiah, and it's from the Shemite line that the Messiah would come, and through Christ, the Messiah of the Lord of Shem, all nations, the Hamite nations and the Japhetic nations, all nations would be blessed. But they would only be blessed by accepting the gospel of Jesus Christ that would come through the line of Shem. And who have been, let's put it this way delicately, who have been the great missionary nations to the world today? Who have been the nations that have taken the gospel to the Japhetic races and the Hamite races? It's the Shemite races that have done it. All in fulfillment of the prophetic word to Noah. Look what else it says in verse 27. God shall enlarge Japheth, so we have enlarged races, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem because there's only going to be blessings in the tents of Shem because God's going to pick it up to Abraham when we get there. In thy seed shall all nations be blessed. And this is where we have the, the three ethnic divisions coming from, the three sons of, of Noah. So the latter part of verse 27 says, God shall enlarge Japheth, he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. So not only was Canaan to be uh, the servant of the Shemite races, Canaan was also to be a servant of the enlarged races. So God has to watch over that word, doesn't he? He, look, he looks after that word. All right, I want, to, want you to go over for our last few minutes here to chapter 10 and touch on a couple of things here in uh, preparation for next week. As we go into chapter 10 and 11 now, these next two chapters take up the genealogy of these three sons of Noah, the servant races, the enlarged races, the blessed races. And uh, I want you to go to chapter 10 and verse 31 and 32, just for the present. Or verse, let's go to verse 20 and then verse 31 and 32. These are the sons of Ham, after their families, after their tongues, in their countries and in their nations. Verse 31, these are the sons of Shem after their families, after their tongues, in their lands, after their nations. These are the families of the sons of Noah, after their generations in their nations, and by these were the nations divided in the earth after the flood. I want you to sort of pick up uh, in verse 31 several words here that uh, can apply here to all of them because it's given the genealogy of the sons of Ham, sons of Japheth, and sons of Shem. We have these words, families, let me just put them up here. Families, tongues, because we have the Tower of Babel, because all these kids speak the same language at the moment. But there's going to come a speaking in tongues. That's going to confuse the whole issue here in order for the destiny of these nations to be outworked. And not only in their tongues, they're going to be put off in their lands. We'll deal with that next week after their nations. God's going to pick out Abraham after the Tower of Babel and after he, he, he confuses this whole issue to get the destiny of the nations going. Abraham, I'm going to pick you out because in you shall all families of the earth be blessed. Families. So families, tongues, lands, and nations. Now, let's go to... Um, verse 6, well, no, let's go to, let's see, uh, verse 2, verses 2 through to 5, we have the sons of Japheth, and uh, 
It's very interesting to see some of these things today. Goma, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, Meshach. Interesting. Magog, Meshach, Moscow, Gog and Magog, Russia. Goma, certain part of Germany, so forth. You start to pick out some of your nations today. So verses 2 through to 5, you have the Japhetic races. Verses 6 through to uh, 20, we have the sons of Ham. Two guys I want to pick up because of next week's study. In verse 6, the sons of Ham, Cush, Mizraim, Put, Put, whatever you say him, and Canaan, the sons of Cush, all these fellows. And in verse 8, Cush begat Nimrod. So, from the line of Ham, Nimrod comes. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore, it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. Hmm. Interesting. So, from Ham, we come through to Nimrod. And Nimrod is the founder of Babel, what was going to later on become Babylon. Now you'll start to pick up where I'm going to go next week. Abraham, get thee out unto a city that I will show thee. Why, Lord, what's wrong with the city of Babel? Now it's interesting to read some Jewish literature on the conflict between Nimrod and Abraham, they didn't seem to hit it. Well, actually, they did seem to hit it, physically. So Nimrod, Babel, and what else? And we have some other cities, Erech and Akkad and Kelner in the land of China. Out of that land went forth Asia and builded Nineveh. Oh, so Babel, Babylon, and Nineveh, the capital of Assyria. All from Nimrod. Well, let's go down to verse 19. And we'll finish on this. What I'm trying to get across here, it's significant to note who came of the line of Ham and what they did because of what God is going to say to Abraham. Babel and uh, Nineveh, great corrupt cities. Babylon, Babel, Nineveh, the capital of Assyria. Then we go down to verse 19. And the border of the Canaanites, which uh, of the line of Ham, was from Sidon, as thou comest to Gerah unto Gaza, as thou goest unto Sodom and Gomorrah, and Adma and Zeboim, even unto Lacia. Mm, another two great beautiful cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. So that's very interesting introduction here, that from the line of Ham and his sin and the curse and the servant race, we have Nimrod, who's the founder of Babel, and Nineveh, and then from Canaan, we have those who were involved in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now when you think of the sins of those cities, now you're going to understand a little bit when God says to Abraham, get you out to a country that I will show you. And Abraham went out looking for a city whose builder and maker was Nimrod. Whose builder and maker was God. You get all that in the light of this background. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books and his ministry.